0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things.
1: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton, and you're joining us in progress with our Tuesday story meeting with the uh, the brain trust of the bill walton show and their uh, names are all on their uh, screens below and also you're going to find their biographical information on our website thebillwaltonshow.com it's got their bios and also a lot of interesting stuff about our um, some 180 shows we've done so far um so welcome guys let's let's talk about what's going on brian and i were just talking about twitter uh uh, Musk and, and what Musk is going to do. I, I just saw that uh, Amazon is going to launch three thousand satellites of their own to try to get into the uh, the internet internet business. You, has anybody seen
2: that? I've I saw the story on that. Yeah.
1: Well, I think why I not?
2: You know, it's it's funny. Uh, Elon Musk wants to talk about uh, living on Mars in the next whatever many years. Uh, If you have ever seen his train of Starlink satellites fly over your house, and then if Amazon's going to put 10,000 satellites up, in addition to all the satellites and space junk that's already up there, we will not be able to get off of this planet without getting bombarded by space junk. We are building (laughs) our own. It's unbelievable. If you have not seen Elon Musk's Starlink, it's single-file lights for 10 minutes. You just see satellite after satellite after satellite and it is cool and spooky at the same time. So you start thinking, what's up there? And how are we gonna be able to break through it in any kind of rocket without just getting just bombarded by junk? Well Lee,
1: Lee, Lee Smiley, who I work with, you know, she was head of performing arts at the University of Maryland. Her her husband uh, is worked for NASA, deep, deep space stuff, very scientific, engineer to the nth degree. And his. I asked him, what's he worried about? Is he worried about space warfare? And he said, no, I'm worried about all the junk flying around up there.
3: Right. <laughs> right? So in early March, a, a, a piece of a spaceship crashed into the moon. It was, it, it was about, uh, it went in at about 600 miles an hour, It was about a 450 ton piece of metal that went into the flew into the dark side of the literally the dark side of the moon. so i mean it's getting to the point where you know we don't you know something big enough hits the moon to knock it off out of its orbit you know we got some major problems on earth so you know it, it is getting to a point where it's it's very dangerous and like you know when these things start orbiting they're going hundreds of miles an hour so if you get hit by them you're gonna get hit really hard.
2: Well, it doesn't even take that. It, all it takes is this stuff disintegrates and becomes space dust. That space dust can take a space ship out. So it doesn't even take a big, huge satellite to take you out. It can be specks of dust and paint that have just dissolved over the course of years. And it hits you going fast enough and it's gonna start tearing you apart. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. I I never really thought about it until I saw that Starlink thing. And we talked about space junk before, over the years and on all the radio shows, you know, space junk, let's get mad. But then you start seeing the Starlink train of satellites and you start going, wow, what we are really, we're trapped. There's a mesh net above us.
1: Don't you you think Bezos is going to want to top Musk? Of course. He's going to want to Absolutely. have something more
4: spectacular. Yeah. Do you think they? Alona, actually maybe you cal- could help
1: him with design. Alona,
4: what's that? <laughs> do you guys think they actually calculate the the launch itself? So it will be nowhere close to all the stuff that is floating around. I think they
2: do, yeah. but at some point, yeah. you know, it, you, they've created you don't know it about it. all of it. You know, yeah, of- well. Uh, there's there's and they even map the space junk you can see maps of the junk orbiting our planet where, where do you so find is that it? is there is a mapped entitled
1: is there a www we can find you know uh, www I, I space know junk time. okay we'll look it, it up. if you
2: if you if you google <laughs> space junk you'll find it
1: We well, you know Jim, Brandon uh Weikert wrote wrote this book space warfare which is really very good but he talks about china and russia and their intentions to command space i think it'd be interesting because there's all these commercial interests in space and and they've got an interest in not having china nor russia command space so i don't know it's uh
2: i think ukraine has just proved that traditional warfare is over and that's where it's got to go ukraine has shown russia you can evade us <laughs> but you're not really ever gonna win. So until they start taking down the infrastructures and space stuff, space wars like this, that's what's that's what they're gonna do to control whole civilizations now.
5: Saying out of all the uh, space rides, I don't I think uh, I would trust the Amazon one the least. I think I might as well go with the uh, eccentric billionaire from England, you know with the uh, the Virgin Galactic that seems at least uh, I don't know, at least it seems like that would be a fancy explosion if it were to happen. Champagne in those last few seconds. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I think the Amazon would be. uh, You see how an Amazon box gets delivered? You want that to be your ride to space? I don't think so.
1: (laughs) Well, um, hey, Ukraine. So my question for you is, why do we care about Ukraine but not our own borders?
3: Well, I I would say that these are, you know, those are kind of separate things. We should care about our own borders and care about Ukraine. You know, if he, you know, the the thing that people won't, I can't get people to answer me is, you know, if his problem is that, you know, he needs this buffer, you know, Ukraine is a buffer between him and the West, which is, I guess what his reason is, he gives for fighting this war. Um, Once he takes Ukraine, he's on the border of Poland, which is a full-fledged member of of NATO. So does he decide then that he's got to, Poland to restore his buffer, so I mean it's you're gonna have to pick well, your poison here and figure out which where you're gonna. I
1: I, I respectfully disagree. I think that uh, we tried. I mean Poland, Ukraine sits about next. Sits to Russia about like Texas sits next to the United States, and we've been very aggressive about pushing them into NATO, and you know Russia's been territorial for millions of years, and so I think we've we've kept poking a stick in this guy's eye, Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you say about, well, we got to worry about Putin and then Ukraine and then Poland and then the ball. I mean, it sounds like we're back into the old domino theory that got us bogged down in Vietnam for the, you know, for 30 years.
3: Well, I mean, the domino theory wasn't proven incorrect. I mean, they were going around the world, taking countries and trying to convert them to communism well it it didn't not happen
1: well but now we're getting now we're buying all our good stuff manufactured in vietnam so i mean the world tends to i don't know I'm, i'm
2: i think the answer to your question bill is you asked why do we care about ukraine but not our own borders uh i would ask why is the media covering ukraine and not our own borders and therefore the reason why people don't really pay attention or care about it And why is that? Well, it's because the White House and the mainstream media are connected and they tell them not to cover the borders and they can, uh, you know, ignore that story, but they can't ignore Ukraine. That's a worldwide story. Both of these are stories that Biden through mismanagement allowed to happen. And it just so happens he has to address one, but can ignore the other.
1: Well, I don't think he's mismanaging the Southern border. I mean, we had Ken Cuccinelli and Russ vote on a couple of weeks ago, and they think what they're doing yeah. with the border is completely intentional.
2: Yeah. We just had a border patrol, uh, 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 leader, uh, on the, uh, Sarah Carter podcast yesterday, and he pretty much said the same thing. All of this is intentional because there's no way that you can mismanage something this badly. They must be doing it for a reason. And what is that reason? It's to build a democratic base. So.
1: Well, it's. Right. I think I, they I, need
3: to do something. I'd highly recommend on
1: on watching. Uh, watching. Uh, I got interrupted here. Sorry. Um, watching the Cuccinelli vote thing. You guys have all seen it, but they it yeah. really, really get into it. And uh, it's pretty scary. Alona, where did you grow up? What What country?
4: Kazakhstan.
1: And that's sort of, that's east of... Uh, it
4: used to be part of the Soviet Union. It's south of Russia. It's between Russia and China.
1: What, what's your take on what Russia is doing with Ukraine?
4: Um, I think it used to be part of Russia, you know, from way back when we're going down the history lane of um, Kiev Rus was the... Place and that's Kiev, right? Um, so there are a lot of historical um, routes that go that do kind of, for lack of a better word, belong to Russia. Um, but I also think that it's strategically a better place because technically, right now, Russia doesn't have a single port that doesn't freeze over. So, and There's so many different things that may be going on that we will probably never find out um, as far as, you know, the geopolitical positioning, as far as all of that goes. Um, But fundamentally, I think what Russia wants is for all the countries that used to be Soviet Union, or at least the ones that aren't belonging to any alliance as of right now to go with Russia because Russia can take care of them. Um, you know, the countries like Kazakhstan, like Kyrgyzstan, like um, Azerbaijan, all of them have their own alliance. So that might be so, also another
1: So, thing. So how are people feeling? Do you have any relatives? I mean, it sounds like where you're from is not very close culturally to Ukraine, but you get any, what, what's your community saying about how the Ukrainians are feeling? What, what's the, what's the emotional?
4: Kind of divided as far as that goes, because, you know, my parents and my grandparents have friends that are in Ukraine right now. Um, and we also have friends who are in Russia right now. So, all of them are very divided. All of them are very unsure of what what is to expect moving forward and how long it's going to be um, and what is the final goal, realistically. And at what point is it going to be enough? <laughs> but whoever is in Ukraine, they're, of course, scared. Um, whoever is in Kazakhstan, again, they're split up in two ways however um we did have a uh, kind of a civil revolution going on in kazakhstan in the beginning of january about a month before russia invaded um ukraine and russia came in alongside other countries and helped us you know kazakhstan regain peace over the country and they brought 3,000 troops, they helped Kazakh government, and they walked out. Within two weeks, the country was back at, back in norm. So because of that, they're probably a little bit more leaning towards Russian side. But again, there's, there's a lot of news, and I'm hearing it from the American side, and I'm hearing it from My side, whichever I can grab right now, whichever I can get my hands on, and some things do align, and others are the absolute polar opposites, and that's what's
1: scary. Yeah, thanks for that, because it, it seems to me like the media, and I'd be interested in, Greg, now that you've rejoined, your point of view. We're treating—this thing's being covered like a cartoon war, you know, I mean, there's good versus evil, and we've got these images we're supposed to respond to. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's real, what's—there's you know, all talks about staging these various, uh, you know, atrocities. Uh, um, uh, and and once again, I think we've got the liberal elite in the United States warmongering again, you uh, you know, John, John Kerry doesn't think it's a good thing because it's gonna slow climate change uh, agendas, but uh, I don't know, what, uh, what's your take on how this is being covered by the media?
0: Well, I think that uh, for the most part, we've got political agreement uh, from the right and the left. You saw, I believe, a unanimous vote uh, in the Senate uh, in response to, you know, the alleged war crimes last week. And so there's not a lot of political polarization On on the basic facts in this issue, there is some difference in terms of what the United States ought to be doing about it. You know, we, at least in the early days, you had some folks saying that we should be part of a no fly zone and we should be, you know, in other words, directly involved in the war. And others say, no, 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 no. we 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 can't do that at the very least until a a NATO country were to be directly involved in this. And so uh, the media has been um, absolutely ukraine uh in, in in this country anyway uh anti-putin and there are obviously some uh, legitimate reasons for that which i'm sure you've already discussed with you know his decision to invade ukraine and so forth um but um anytime the media is uh monolithic on something you want to uh, raise your eyebrows a little bit and, and maybe figure out why what what else might be going on that's not obvious at the outset uh but in terms of the, the basic facts um you know and if these war crimes are perpetrated as alleged, uh, that adds another layer to this as well. And so it it, it makes some sense as to why the coverage has been the way it is. I think an untold story and part of this is the
3: uh, the level of distrust we all have, all of us on the right and a lot of people on the left of the media. Right. So, you know, to me, this is a fairly straightforward story. This is fairly typical Russian aggression against its neighbors. The claims are similar. They're not allowed to align with people we don't let them align with. Uh, we need our buffer zone and all that. These are things the Russians have been saying for hundreds of years about why they expand their their uh, their empire. Um, and but it's but now we're like, oh, I don't really believe that spin because you know we've been misled about you know Trump Russia Trump Mueller. Trump, uh, you know, all the hoaxes of the previous administration, all the hoaxes of, you know, it's not really inflation and people don't realize how good the economy is now and ignore those fuel prices. I mean, we've been bald-faced lied to so much that now when there's something that, that's fairly straightforward, as far as I'm concerned, that it's fairly straightforward, not, you know, uh, a twistable story, so to speak. And no one believes it because, you, we've mean, been, you know, we've you learned mean, not to believe these people.
1: You mean lies like the efficacy of lockdowns, masks, right, right. Exactly. vaccines? I mean, there's been a whole list of things we're supposed to believe that as time but goes on. But you know on, what?
2: It, it, you know, <laughs> we, we talk about this and we end up with a tribalistic media you know, where everybody is sectioned off into their little tribes and they believe what they're told by their trusted source Of information. So, you know, on Facebook or on Twitter, you will still see people saying that Trump is the cause for this and Trump is the cause for that things that are happening now. And Biden bears no blame whatsoever. It's all Trump's fault. He led us into this. And now Biden's fixing his messes still. And, you know, it's because they're being told that's the spin. And it's, you know, where I'm in the business. So it's it's hard for me to say this, but you know there are the CNNs and the MSNBCs. They they know that even as Sean Hannitys, they have their audience and they drive to their audience. They give their audience what their audience wants.
1: Well, you radio, your Radio America, you and Greg both, and you've got a lot of talk show people on. I mean, what's what's the what's the percentage of talk people that are all in on on we got to save Ukraine?
2: Um. I, I mean I think they're all I know Tucker I'm I'm more aligned frame. I'm
1: more aligned with Tucker Carlson. I think it's a I think it's a it's a head fake. I think we should be paying attention to China. And five years oh, ago agreed. we should have been making friends with Russia, but that didn't happen, so I don't know if we go back in that
2: I think everybody knows that China is the boogeyman and that, you know, Russia is its little brother. Uh, But I think everybody wants to save Ukraine, but uh, I don't think everybody thinks Ukraine is this great democracy that, you know, they're being put up to believe. And that's that's kind of the the narrative now. But, yeah, agreed. China is the boogeyman.
1: What do we do about the economy? I mean, what this is we're going to have we're going to have inflation numbers coming out today and it's supposed to be eight and a half percent, roughly. It hadn't been that high since uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And just, just when Reagan was replacing Carter, and we had Paul Volcker come in, um, I, you know, I, I'm looking at something like, for example, there's this piece uh, yesterday in the Journal called "The Scramble for Cooking Oils," and it turns out the price of uh, basic cooking oils—palm oil, sunflower, rapeseed—they're up 40, 50, 60, 70 percent just in the last uh, last couple of months, and. You know, one of the unintended consequences of this Russia-Ukraine thing is that they're producing most of the fertilizers, or at least the fertilizers that, you know, the, the natural gas that creates fertilizers that the Germans convert into fertilizers. Farmers are going to be paying a fortune to grow their crop this year, and we're going to pay in the grocery store. And I don't think there's a single person in the Biden administration that's got a clue on how to deal with this. Yeah, it's eight and a half. My answer it's to eight.
3: your question is, it wasn't, it's not getting better until 2024 or 2025. Nothing good is going to happen until then. So you have an inept, big government is the solution to every problem, administration. And there these are problems that, that you can't approach like that. Yeah, so
1: Frank, to, go ahead. Go, sorry, go sorry. ahead, Greg. Sorry. Greg, Greg good jump in. I was, was going to say,
3: uh,
0: you know, like you said, over 40 years since we've seen inflation like this. And the, the White House response is to um scrap the summer blend for fuel so you have uh e15 uh in your fuel tank which is not as good certainly for your engine uh so the long-term effects of this could be significant and uh it's gonna be a short-term blip probably when it comes to price as well but uh uh they're 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 scrambling right now obviously because they know that there's nothing in the short term that's going to change this and certainly before november
2: let me tell you what you do about inflation uh pump more oil domestically open the pipeline That's the first thing you do. Get the fuel prices down and that helps everything else. Then, have the government stop paying farmers to shut down their crops. Grow, baby, grow. This is absolute insanity that we shut down our oil production and that we pay farmers to let their crops go dead. It's just insane. China owns everything. They produce our pharmaceuticals. They produce all of our, they produce everything that we use and consume. We need to start production of all of our essential products here in the United States yesterday. And that starts with oil, then goes to farming, and then goes to pharmaceuticals, and they keep on going.
1: Well, you know, this is, I'd love to be more optimistic, but you mentioned China. They've got the same. China's gone into this insane lockdown mode. And for example, Shanghai over this their zero uh, COVID-19 strategy, which we know is an unachievable goal in this life and on this planet. But they've locked so many cities down that they're now worried about their own economic growth, their Good. own food production, their own water supply, all the stuff that uh, we're worried about, they're now having to worry about.
2: Good. Okay. Welcome to the party.
1: Well, yeah, I, but if you want to do geostrategic stuff, I don't know what a story. You know, or...
3: When I'm looking at, you're looking at these films in China, this, this video that's coming out of China. You know, you, we all, our calculation is that there will never be enough civil unrest in China to, to make any real difference with who's running the country. But you know I don't know how long that's sustainable you have these people in these buildings screaming jumping out the windows because they're locked down and you have drones flying overhead spying on them I can't believe people are going to really
1: put up with that did everybody did everybody see that video of those those high-rises in Shanghai
0: I have not
3: seen what the way you
1: want you want to describe it
0: Yeah, i mean there's been a number of different videos but i think the one you're referring to really went viral over the past weekend where it's this person shooting video out their balcony or their window of their high-rise and there's all these other high-rises in the community and you just hear these people shrieking and screaming and wailing and it's dark out which makes it even more eerie because you literally can't leave your house and it's been that way or your apartment been that way for weeks and weeks and weeks for no reason are you allowed to leave and it's you know, driving people absolutely insane. They can't see their loved ones. They can't go to wherever they need to go.
1: Well, and they're murdering cats and dogs. And and, and, Shanghai is 25 million people, and it's the most sophisticated, urbanized, westernized. That's really the wrong word, but uh, it's not a a backwater. And and that's one of the reasons I think the Chinese economic minister is worried about China's growth, because they know how important Shanghai is um i don't know new good news after hey frank was how uh, your website business deals with a lot of small companies multi entrepreneurial companies how are they feeling this economy right now have they come out of the uh the lockdowns uh
5: well you know it kind of just it depends on um you know what the business they were in you saw a lot of people that were pretty much forced to redefine the way that they did business and some people well, a lot of people went out of business because of that and uh so on the small business letter level really it's just kind of a, a nuclear arms race to to raise prices fast enough and to capture enough customers to make sure that uh you know you survive what's coming because the reality is it's like uh, you will look at it and say okay well whatever like I can look at things like that we charged, you know, say 800 or so, you know, last year, the year before, now we're saying, all right, we'll go for 1500. And we're seeing that across the board, just everybody increasing their prices, uh, you know, at, to at least, you know, uh, 1.5 to double, just to make sure that when this, you know, that the bottom kind of falls out, that uh, the, the customer base that they do have is gonna see them through whatever is gonna happen at least a lot of the groups that I've been around.
1: Do you have any restaurants in your uh, customer mix? Uh
5: not too many. Most of them uh, you know, I would, like there's a couple of them, but most of them are kind of just trying to get labor back, you know, that they're they're still uh just treading water.
1: Yeah, I got a I got a call from a friend who owns a major restaurant group in Seattle of all places and they've been hit by the quadruple or whatever whatever big number whammy i mean they had all the unrest in seattle they've you know they've got a bridge that broke that uh, the government won't repair because they don't believe in that sort of infrastructure spending they've got food prices rising they can't get anybody to come back to work and she's part of a major part of the independent restaurant association and they think that like You know, 80% of restaurants are really uh, running the risk of of going belly up if they haven't already gone belly up. Are you guys hearing anything about that?
5: They're like this much. They're like, uh, each one that I've talked to, they're, uh, I mean, they're just barely, like, if anything goes wrong in a month, it's kind of, you know, they operate
1: on razor thin margins.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So one thing i that i took from what you said frank and, and wanted to ask about is uh these people are acting as if the worst is yet to come we're just
5: getting into the bad part of this. is that what you're hearing is that accurate yeah i mean like everybody that i know is uh is it's just just getting you know going for a land grab as, as quickly as humanly possible not worried about anything else just saying okay well stuff is going on in the world but you know if, if we don't get ahead of it now uh, it's just gonna be so much worse come a year from now, you know a year and a half from now, especially uh a lot of the people in real estate who like had good times uh you know twenty twenty one and then uh the ones that are old enough are kind of getting uh nightmares from two thousand and eight, but they're starting to see those interest rates and loan interest rates go up uh looking very so substantial I've yeah. I got
2: a question for you, Bill. When you pump the kind of money that we have over the past few years from COVID into the system. And now we're seeing inflation. I mean, that's never a good long-term thing. What are the effects of that kind of money that they've pumped into the system gonna have on us over the next decade?
1: We got a couple hours. Uh um, right, exactly. I, <laughs> exactly. I, well, I, I think I think we're seeing I think we're seeing with inflation and we think we're seeing with Frank, you end up with a beggar thy neighbor economy where everybody's scrambling to get their price increases. Um, and if you had somebody at the Fed or somebody in the Treasury or some grown ups in the administration, I think they'd begin to start acting like Paul Volcker. But these guys and including the Bush administration before I mean, this goes all the way back to Bush and beyond. I mean, I don't know. Maybe go back to Truman. I don't know, but the point is, they want to keep the plate spinning. And they, we've had a bull market. Remember the right. the stock market's been in a bull market for forty years, and so you've seen bond prices go like this as interest rates fell. Equities went like this. You know, I've been a very happy pl- you know participant in the equity market. Um, all those relationships are going to start to change. I was going to show you a chart here. Um, this, uh, you can't really see it in this camera. Maybe I see not. that it
2: goes up on the right-hand side.
1: Anyway, what's happening is this is the share of corporate profits as a percentage of GDP. It's at a, it's at a record level. It hadn't been this high. Well, it hadn't been this high. This is it. We're at a record level. It's something like uh, um, 11% of gross domestic product from, big, from corporate profits. So what's happened is We've got the big companies, the Microsofts, the IBMs, the the Amazon, the Facebook, the, the big tech. They're a ton of it. Their profit margins are are great, while the fr- economy Frank's talking about is getting clobbered. So we've got this divergence here. And so the elite situation is not just political, but it's economic. And we've got economic winners. And also the people like me have been investors in the stock market. We're not You know we're we're happy at the moment, but at some point, if interest rates keep rising, inflation those interest rates are going to affect housing affordability, and this housing boom we've had is going to get choked. It's going to start rising interest rates are going to choke the private equity industry because they're buying all these companies with a lot of leverage, Uh, and uh, you know a bad uh, a bad bond market will kill any economy, and so um put on your seat belts <laughs> yeah
3: it looks a lot awful lot like 2008 right now i don't know what Maybe.
1: i don't think i don't think it's 2008 i don't know what i don't believe in history as being a, i think i think time's a river that you step step into it 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 changes but it's we got a lot of vulnerabilities now and the most the biggest vulnerability is i think just um the world orders the post-world war ii U.S. hegemon world, over, world, world order is over, and it's becoming more fragmented. We're not getting globalization, but we're getting all these regional power blocks. It's a very, very tricky thing to navigate, and I wish we had some smart people in the administration to help guide us. I vote for you. Well, I've got a lot of plans. Let's let's talk. Maybe
2: it'll be our next door there meeting. You know. <laughs> got to tell them what. They um, need
1: to hey, do. we gotta we gotta wrap up here. What else? Anything else we missed that we ought to be make thinking about for future uh, future uh, program yeah. ideas? Yeah,
2: the, uh, the the dollar and the value of the dollar. That's coming okay. up next time.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, and and whether it will be the the world exchange currency in right, right.
1: The world currency, the world reserve currency. Right. It's under threat.
3: It's, a, it's the most serious threat that it's ever
1: known. A, well, Russia's not known. demanding payment for its gas in rubles. India is, is looking rupees. for rupees. Uh, their currency blocks forming. China wants to launch a digital currency. Um, yeah, I mean, the dollar, th- that's the thing. Rich, you put your finger on it. The thing that's really could kill us is if the dollar loses its status, status it has, right. then we can't finance it $30 trillion in debt or more and rising. Um,
2: But it's all cyclical. I mean, because then we can't pay China the debt that we owe them and then they go broke. So I think it's everybody's it's a mess for everybody.
1: The financial economy is a wreck. But I think the real economy, if you look at those profits, there are a lot of companies that are still doing pretty well. So I don't think we're going to I don't see a a depression of that sort. But it's a you're going to have to be nimble.
2: It's going to slow down.
1: Yeah okay guys and, um Greg any any uh... yeah
0: I'd say watch uh, the China russia friendship I think they both see short-term benefits from it then they both think that they're gonna uh, be the big brother in the end because Russia's got the energy but China thinks it's growing in so many other ways and so um, it's not going to end well whenever that is could be a long time from now but it's not going to end well
1: Okay, well, this has been the Bill Walton Show. I'm with the, the team that helps, helps put all this together, the Brain Trust. Ah, and if you want to come back for some happy news, maybe we'll get up some for next time. Right now, though, I hope, I hope we're being helpful to sort of explain some of these dynamics and, and uh, help, it, help you understand what's going on as we try to understand it with you. So anyway, thanks for joining, and uh, we'll see you again soon. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our interesting people page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.